What's up, what's up, what's up, Snap Survivors? I am Tasha Pierce. This is After the Snap, a virtual refugee camp for everyone affected by Thanos Snap. Thank you thank you thank you thank you for joining me once again for another friday episode and if today is your first episode welcome to the show welcome to the party you picked a pretty darn good day to come because today we continue our mcu watch party leading up to avengers endgame and the installment for the day is guardians of the galaxy volume 2 before we jump into Guardians of the Galaxy, I'd like to say thank you, something that I have not done for a while, for everyone who has already left a rating and review for the show. If you have not rated and reviewed the show, what are you waiting for? You just head over to iTunes, you go ahead and give the, so- give the, the show a rating, let me know what you're thinking about it. And then that's it. Easy peasy. You don't have nothing else to do. And that helps the show an awful lot. Moves us up in the search. Helps other potential listeners find us a whole heck of a lot easier. So I'd appreciate your help with that. Moving right along, though, we are going to uh, get into Guardians Volume 2. It was released on May 5th, 2017. Directed once again by James Gunn. The budget for this movie was $200 million and the box office returned $863 million. Wow. And this is the first MCU sequel to use a number rather than a subtitle since Iron Man 3. All the rest of the movies had uh, what we have the Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Thor, The Dark World. So we always had those subtitles. This time we got a number. Um, Metacritic. On Metacritic, this show rated a 67%. On Rotten Tomatoes, it rated an 84%, which makes it what? That's right. Certified Fresh. And the audience rated it to the tune of 82%. So... 82% approval rating from the audiences. Okay, so this movie is set just a couple months after the events of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1, which is why on the Marvel official timeline, they are one right after the other. I, again, wanted to do them both together, but then I thought about it and said, no, let's just go ahead and split them up. And um, I'm going to do this episode different than I have been over the last few weeks doing my episodes where I am just simply going to talk about Easter eggs, what I like, what I didn't like, make it short and sweet. Because uh, as I told a lot of you who listened to my Tuesday episode, that I have been just a tad bit under the weather. So it is uh, currently currently about time to to lay down i tried to record this a little earlier and oh my god i don't know what they were doing out here at the apartments that i live in but it sounded like they were like hammering and beating on stuff in 
this apartment. It just sounded like it was right in here with me. So uh, you could hear it in the recording. So um, I, I had to wait until they were finished with whatever it was that they were doing out there. And and here we are. So instead of doing this at uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we are now at 6 something tonight. And yes, that really means it's time for me to go to bed, believe it or not. So like I said, the audiences responded very well to both of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. And uh, the, the style that James Gunn used to approach both of these movies was, to me, uh, almost a work of a genius in these in these situations, especially when you're dealing with characters that are not well known. But what he did first was laid down the music. And then he set these movies around the music that he already had placed, had in place. So the movie is is virtually, instead of the music being uh, dictated by the movie, the movie is being dictated by the music. And that gives you that whole feel and every scene is tied together by the choice of song that's playing. And I thought that was just genius work by James Gunn. Um, we'll get into the James Gunn controversy on the back end. I'm going to talk about some Easter eggs first. Some Just a couple of the things. I'm not definitely not going super in-depth with Easter eggs today because I couldn't sit down and just write down as many as I could think of. But these are the few that jumped right out at me. Um, Howard the Duck, he, he had to have escaped nowhere. And uh, he's voiced by Seth Green. But we saw him again in this time. He was on the on uh, Contraxia having drinks. <laughs> and obviously, he escaped the collector's collection. So good for Howard. We'll see. I'm sure we'll see him again somewhere. And um, we got our Stanley cameo. And that has the fandom wondering if he has been a watcher this whole time, because where we saw him was sitting on like a moon with the watchers. And he was explaining all of his exploits from previous Marvel movies. So that is making a lot of people think that he is not just sitting there and chatting with the watchers, that he himself is a watcher. Um, we saw the original Guardians, the OG Guardians of the Galaxy, and and they were played by uh, Sylvester Stallone, who played Stakar Ogord, Ogord, <laughs> and of course Yandu. Martin X Talaga is played by Michael Rosenbaum. Ving Rhames played Charlie 27, Michelle Yeoh played Alita O'Gord, and Mainframe was voiced by Miley Cyrus. So all of those came from the, uh, those characters were part of the original Guardians of the Galaxy. So this was a great big old nod to them in this movie. And because of the high profile nature of those actors, it kind of makes you think, like, are we going to see these characters again? Uh, possibly in Guardians 3, because why do you hire these big names, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Ving Rhames? 
why do you hire Miley Cyrus to voice mainframe if this is going to be the only time that we see them in this in these small little uh snippets at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So that was just one of the questions that I had about this. But yes, yeah, so there, there was a nod. That was Yandu's crew. And of course, again, they were Ravagers in the movie. But in the comics, they are the OG uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And now I'm going to talk about a few of the things that were problematic for me about this movie. And it's just a really... I could, again, just get to nitpicking. But I'm going to tell you some things that were kind of just glaring to me. Like, the Guardians of the Galaxy go through a tremendous amount of physical abuse in this movie, crashing into, uh, we had Drax getting strung around behind the, the spaceship, bumping into trees at high speed. Uh, Gamora damn near getting hit by a spaceship. Gamora and Nebula, what they went through as far as uh, when they were on Ego's planet, the the uh, physical abuse that their bodies took from the planet in itself. So many things. And I could continue to go on. Trust and believe. Trust and believe. I could continue to go on. I'm not going to continuously nitpick, but I'm th- trying to figure out what is their power level? Like what how much strength, how much power, how much abuse can they absorb? It's just a question. And, and I'm, I mean, you would see it in um, Guardians 1 where like Drax get his ass kicked. But you can run into these trees at high speed like this. Like you, you're swinging literally into trees at high speed. But Ronan, the the accuser, could just whoop your ass like that. So those are things that just kind of problematic for me. It's just a small little continuity thing, but it's enough to make me look at it kind of side-eyed. And then all the bad guys are like terrible shots. And I'm wondering, like the the heroes and the Milano uh, can have a hell of bullets going on around them and they never get hit. Now, the ship got hit, but it wasn't destroyed by the hail of bullets that hit it. It was just, you know, it, it, the, the ship just got hit. What the fuck kind of ship is that? What, what kind of what? Again, what is the power level of these people here? I need to know. I need to know if they are just normal people. I know that Gamora is genetically enhanced and I know that Nebula has her enhancements I know that Drax has a tremendous amount of power, but what is the threshold for these this power? I need to know. And then um I guess the David Hasselhoff appearance. And I understand the why behind the appearance and I did I thought it was funny. I laughed. And then I thought about it. Especially watching it this time. I didn't really think about it the first several times that I've watched it. But again, I'm watching this movie to talk about it with you all. And I thought to myself, why now? Why why would you put this character, David Hasselhoff, into the movie here? So this is when uh, Quill, Star-Lord, was having the, 
the scene with his dad and where after his dad tells him for no reason whatsoever that he put the tumor in his mom's head and then uh, Star-Lord starts shooting him. Here is where Ego decides to turn into David Hasselhoff. And it kind of broke up the moment like it was a serious and dark moment. And it kind of broke it up and made it funny. And I just didn't understand why. I didn't get the why behind why we wanted this particular moment to turn and be a funny moment instead of us continuously uh, continuing down the the dark and emotional moment that we were we were getting so just things that i'd be thinking i'm just like why why did why did he do it there and i absolutely loved what james gunn did with these movies so but i can also question why why at this moment i question the timing Okay, so some of the things that I really liked. Any scene that Yandu uses the sentient arrow. Now, I'm not sure if I said it the first episode, but that arrow, those arrow scenes when he's just whistling and bring, and, and they're strolling, the music in the background is playing just right, and they're strolling through looking all badass, and the arrow is just flying around killing people. That's one of the dopest scenes in the movie to me. Like, not the dopest, not the best, but it is uh, absolutely one of my favorite scenes of this movie. Um, also, any scene featuring Baby Groot, because he's just so adorable, he's so cute, especially at the beginning, because just like a little kid, he's just dancing, he's just into the music, and there is complete and utter chaos going on all around him and you know monsters getting killed his friends getting thrown around the attacks and i'm saying to myself little bitty Groot don't have a care in the world his only care is uh a, something that he can defeat which is those little orlonis or orlonis i don't forgot what they're called but those little rat looking lizards i don't know how to explain them but you know what I'm talking about. And um, again, this movie builds, continues to build upon the daddy issues theme of most of the MCU. So most of the MCU is, is really talking about daddy issues. And this continues the tradition because you have Peter Quill who in his mind, he never knew his dad. In his mind, he had built up David Hasselhoff to be the kind of image of a father that he'd want. And then he finds out that his dad is a God. So now you have this situation where he's, okay, I can wrap my mind around the fact that my dad is pretty cool because he's a God. At the end of the day, Yandu has been more of a father than anybody else to him right in his face. And he never saw it because he wasn't the picture of perfection that he had put uh, forth and he, he had manifested in his mind, this perfect father. And Yandu's been there guiding him this whole time, albeit gu guiding him in a way that is not uh, reputable. Um, but that is what he knew. And he taught his son what he knew. 
and was proud of him for achieving. He was very proud of Quill for fooling him in the last episode with the orb. He felt like I did my job. I taught him how to be a sneak, a thief, a robber, a con man. He felt like he did his job because he sees who he considers his son emulating characteristics that he taught him. This is a situation where Yandu realized it long before Quill realized it and Quill realized it too late. Um, Again, soundtrack was dope. Awesome Mix Volume 2 was available to purchase. You can get all the songs from this uh, installment of The Guardians. We learned that Drax goes shirtless because he has sensitive nipples. They didn't actually say, hey, I go shirtless because I have sensitive nipples. He said he doesn't wear the uh, the air packs, the air suits that they wear because he has sensitive nipples. Which would, which would make you take the leap that the reason why he never has anything on his upper half of his body is because of the sensitivity of his nipples. So that was another thing that I found hilarious. Actually, I almost died laughing when the first time I heard him say that. And then when Rocket was torturing the Ravagers, they got caught in his booby traps. First of all, the music again. Secondly, uh, he was having way too much fun, way too much fun torturing these these people. And to be quite honest, it, the more he cackled about torturing them, the more funny it got to me. So, yeah, that was a, that was a moment. So those are things that I really, really did like. There's so much more. I, I can pick scenes all through the movie. Uh, I got a little, got a little funky once we got to Ego's planet. Some funny things happened, and uh, they didn't particularly move the story along any further. It was some just funny things happened, but I liked. I would have liked to have seen more of that tied, tightened up a bit. I, I can't see why we needed twenty five minutes of them just sitting around. And I understand that they were getting used to going from uh, uh, scrapping things together and wondering where their next money was coming from to being on this planet of plenty. plenty. So I understand that aspect of it. But the, the other side of it is, why did we hang out here so long doing nothing? Uh, Star-Lord and his dad, we, we could have wrapped that up because Ego talked a whole hell of a lot. He didn't have to talk as much as he did. He could have explained his, <laughs> I, I say he could have just ex, explained what his evil diabolical plan was and we could have got on with the action. That's just me. Not necessarily what anybody else uh, felt about that move, about those scenes, the ego planet scenes. Now, some questions that I had, because at the beginning, y'all hear that? Anyway, at the beginning, uh, the Sovereign had hired the Guardians to protect the Anulax batteries from this big monster because they felt like, hey, we don't want to risk any of our Sovereign perfect, uh, perfected lives, so we're going to put y'all out there on the front line to fight this beast. And I was like, okay, they, they're that arrogant and conceited that they 
feel like their lives are more valuable than the guardians. Okay, I get it. Until they found out that Rocket stole those batteries and then they went into war, pretty much uh, an attack on the guardians. And then I found out that they don't even have to get in the, their space vessels. They can just remotely pilot them from like this video arcade. So now, if all y'all had to do is go to a doggone arcade to uh, to fly your vessels to actually go into battle against somebody, why couldn't y'all have gone into battle with the monsters the exact same way and then you never would have had the guardians? I don't know if that's making sense. You let me know if this made sense to you, <laughs> what I've just said. So also... Okay, the fight scenes at the end of the movie on the planet and little little uh group baby group was going towards the brain with the the brain of ego with the bomb. And then you have uh everybody else is basically in some type of hand-to-hand combat against the planet. How did the planet lose? Because in my opinion there's no way that they should have lost Unless ego being in like a human form is taking away from his uh, knowledge of what else is going on on him, you know, because if you got all these, if you got Groot running around towards your brain with a bomb, you would think you would kind of know that you'd be able to stop that. And, and, and he almost did. So I can understand uh, once him and Quill got to the point of Quill getting the upper hand in the hand-to-hand combat where with his human form, but should nothing been able to beat him with him as the planet. You know, the planet, I don't get it. I just don't, I don't get it at all. Um, and then why did Marvel negotiate with Fox to use Ego anyway? Like, you know, they had to give up some, uh, they had to allow Fox to make some changes to Negasonic Teenage Warhead in Deadpool. They got to tweak her character, her character's powers a bit in exchange for Marvel being able to use Ego. And I'm like, is that like a, is that an even trade? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's an even trade. Ego is something that you're only going to use for one movie, possibly. Negasonic Teenage Warrior, whatever her name is, you know what I'm trying to say. Warhead, yeah, Negasonic. She is an important part of the continuity of the Deadpool movies where she, you know, kind of like comic relief. We just like to see her and Deadpool bounce off of each other but still she's been in both of the movies so now that's a a person that's important to into the franchise but ego couldn't we have used any celestial i don't know unless they had already made their plans with the other celestials but they could have used almost any celestial and he's not even like a celestial in the common sense Common Sense of the Celestials is like the one that we saw in the collector uh, recordings in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. The one that 
was uh, destroying the planet with the power stone. That was a celestial as depicted in the comics. This particular, uh, him being this planet, that was not the, the, I guess the, the original use of a celestial. So he was a different type of celestial. I get that. Couldn't we have used any celestial? But anyway, and what did, what did Rocket use to repair the ship? And I've seen videos and theories saying that, oh, that's how Tony Stark is going to get out from, from being lost in space is he's going to repair, make the repairs on the ship using the tool that Rocket used. And I'm still trying to figure out what the heck that was. Like, what was that? Was he spraying something? Do I need to go back and just like frame by frame, really slow that down and really see exactly what it was? Because, you know, that may help. It's not going to make no food or water, (laughs) but it would help make some repairs to the ship if that was still aboard the ship. If you guys know what I'm talking about, you would have to go to the scene. They were on, uh, the the ship was on Burhurt, Burhurt, I think that's the name of the, the, the planet. But, uh, yeah, it was just something weird he had that he was using to make the repairs. Uh, things that make me say, hmm, is why did Stakar spoil Yondu's death? Now, after, at the beginning, towards the beginning of the movie, when Stakar says to Yondu something about his funeral, um, there won't be, you know, what there basically won't be at his funeral, I'm like, why are you talking about this man's funeral at the beginning of the movie? But of, of course, we find out at the end he's talking about the funeral because he's, you know, basically spoiling, foreshadowing, they call it, his death. But I'm like, still, why you have to do that? You could have just left it as a surprise. I tell you, some people just can't keep a fucking secret. But yeah, that those are those were my main takeaways from the uh from the movie you tell me what are some of your things that you like things that you didn't like so much and uh questions that you were left with after watching the movie still was a great movie even though it sounded like I had some gripes uh it still was a great movie and because it was a great movie you know it's time to do my rates rating on a five star sit <laughs> on a five star rating system with one being the worst movie ever and five being the absolute epitome of movie making cinematic masterpiece this one will get a four and it's getting a four because of the questions that I had uh things that were kind of problematic to me, things that I just didn't like about the plot. That's my rating. Not necessarily saying that this is what everybody else has to believe. This is my opinion. So if you've got a different opinion, I'd love to hear it. You can send me an email at afterthesnap at gmail.com. You can go to Facebook and find me at afterthesnap on Facebook. You can go to Twitter at snapafter. Instagram after the snap 2018. 
If you'd like to help the show grow financially, and by the way, I'd like to thank my one patron that I have for this page. If you would like to become my second, third, fourth, fifth patron, please go over to patreon.com, pick a tier, and uh, you'll get the, the little gift associated with that tier. But you'd also be helping me to continue to put out content. If you'd only like to make a one-time donation, you don't want to be part of anything that says month to month, sounds too much like a bill, I got you covered. You can go to paypal.me slash after the snap and you can make a one-time donation to the show. I have uh, no in-game theories. I think I'm somewhere, especially now that I'm feeling a little better today. And uh, every day it seems like it gets a little bit better for me. And I'm really thankful. So if you guys have had me in your thoughts and in your hearts, I appreciate it because things were, were, were looking real, real, real grim. I won't say that grim. It wasn't like I was near death, but situation had gotten really, really bad there for a little while. And I feel a little bit better now. And because of that, I know that I have to make up for some just a little bit for some of the content that may be lacking a little bit in there. And I'm going I'm going to get y'all some bonus episodes somewhere in here within the next 4 weeks. We will probably see two bonus episodes. Uh no promises, but I, I'm my goal is two two bonus episodes. You can also go over to youtube.com/afterthesnap. Get on my after the snap a subscriber list become a subscriber so a lot of what is up there is just old episodes of after the snap but you can also find some original things up there too some videos of actually me chit-chatting about whatever but I, I need the support there as well and if you uh, know anybody who is into this content share both shows both platforms with them please I sure I sure would appreciate it all right, so I've chit-chatted with you guys for right around half an hour today. It is currently pushing really close to bedtime, and I can feel it. I'm going to sit, and I'm going to watch season 19 of Law & Order Special Victims Unit. Well, I've been watching that on Amazon, and because uh, I don't look at I don't look at shit on TV. If it's, if it's on TV, I don't want to see it. I'll wait till it comes to a streaming service. I'm not going to say ever, but 99% of the time, I'm not fucking with the TV. I will for like games, sporting events, but not for not for regular programming. So I'm glad, I'm pretty sure you guys really wanted to know all of that. I'm starting to ramble. It means I'm sleepy. You ever been around a little kid that just starts talking about random stuff because they're trying to keep themselves awake because they don't want to miss anything. And eventually they fall asleep while they're talking. I don't want that to be me. Since I have nothing else for you today, I was supposed to talk about James Gunn, huh? <laughs> so James Gunn. All right, we give you the quick and dirty version of what happened with with this James Gunn controversy. Uh, Ten or more years ago, James Gunn made offensive tweets that were meant to be funny in a provocative edgy kind of way they were not funny and they wasn't funny then they're not funny now but they definitely wasn't they're just not funny so he put those tweets up 100 years ago 
during overtime, he did say, you know what? That was immature and all this of me. I apologize for putting up those tweets. Okay, so now that's 10 years ago. Last year, the aforementioned tweets were dug up as part of a political grudge because James Gunn leans heavily towards the liberal side of politics. So those on the conservative side of politics decided, you know what? We do look for 10 years. I've got time. I'll go back at his tweets forever to find something horrible he said. And they didn't have to go back forever. They only had to go back 10 years. So now they dig up these tweets. They chop them up and put them out of context. Not making an excuse for James Gunn because the tweets were fucked up. But the way that these conservative whomever, I don't want to blame it on nobody. It's sad to be a political grudge. We don't know who did it. Santa Claus might have dug up these tweets so Santa Claus put a spin on these tweets that that made it sound like James Gunn had a problem with with touching little kids and that type of type of thing so Disney gets hold of these tweets because you know it's all it doesn't take long you can fucking ruin your life in like less than 24 hours on social media you can also do it with a with a podcast, which is why I think you should tread very lightly if you say provocative things. So anyway, so Disney gets a hold of these tweets and then they responded quickly and decisively. They put the hammer down. They said the offensive attitudes and statements discovered on James Twitter feed are indefensible and inconsistent with our studio's values. And we have severed our business relationship with him. And that was from Alan Horn, uh, Walt Disney Studios chairman. So he unequivocally cut ties with James Gunn. And a lot of people were upset with that because they're like, look, this man apologized years ago for this. And here you are still, you're going to fire him today over something he said sorry about some time ago, even though he should not have said this at all. He should have never said it. We understand that. Never should have made these jokes. They were not funny. I sometimes say some stupid shit that ain't funny. You probably do the same thing and maybe have done this years ago where you've said something extremely ugly have since grown up and realized, you know what? That was something that was an ugly thing that I said. I'm glad I don't think like that no more. And I apologize for hurting people's feelings by the way I thought before. You would think that would be enough, especially if nobody is telling you to say sorry, that you're saying sorry on your own, but that's not enough today. But anyway, before I go off on a big tangent, and I know it's coming, I can feel it burning in my soul and I know it's bedtime. Uh, James Gunn, his basically his response to being fired and public opinion was that, uh, number one, he said, many people who have followed my career know when I started, I viewed myself as a provocateur, making movies and telling jokes that were outrageous and taboo. As I have dis discussed publicly many times, as I developed as a person, so has my work and my humor. It's not to say I'm better, but I am very, very different than I was a few years ago. 
Today, I try to root my work in love and connection and less in anger. My days saying something just because it's shocking and trying to get a reaction are over. For the record, when I made these shocking jokes, I wasn't living them out. I know this is a weird statement to make and seems obvious, but still, here I am saying it. Anyway, that's the completely honest truth. I used to make a lot of offensive jokes. I don't anymore. I don't blame my past self for this, but I like myself more and feel like a more full human being and creator today. And that was from James Gunn. And I feel like, isn't that what it's about? Now, it's one thing if you say something terrible and somebody catches up to it and you are forced to apologize. If you want to continue, you want your livelihood to continue. You you have to say, I'm sorry, because you might not be sorry at all. You're just saying what you have to say to to keep your livelihood going, to keep your lifestyle at the, the way that you're used to it being. And it's something entirely different. If I say something fucked up and then I think about it and then my grown up, even if it's just two weeks, I grew in that two weeks and I come back and I say, you know what? I was wrong for saying that. That is a person who is saying it sincerely and out of growth. And I believe that we are taking that away from people. We're taking the ability to make a mistake and apologize for it away from people. We're saying that people should never make mistakes. And that is wrong. Each and every one of us can be caught slipping, making some type of mistake that can offend somebody else. I could cross the street in the middle instead of at the corner and it could piss somebody off. I don't even know that I've pissed anybody off. You bring it to my attention and I sincerely apologize for it and say, you know what? If it makes that much of a difference to you, I'll go to the corner every time. You have given me an opportunity to apologize and grow. But instead, we want people first to apologize and then to snatch everything away from them. And that's not fair. And I'm not saying it about physical harm that you may do to people, severe psychological harm that you've intentionally afflicted on people. So don't don't come to me with this Harvey Weinstein crap. Don't come to me with uh, Roseanne because some, you know, some things we know that we're not supposed to say. Some things we know we're not supposed to do. You just go ahead and you apologize. But do I feel like every, every offense is let's snatch the rug out from up under them? No, I I think we take things too far now. I think the cancel culture is getting out of control. And this is why I'm very happy that James Gunn kind of landed on his feet and he will be, he, he's definitely writing Suicide Squad too over for uh, Warner Brothers, but he is possibly uh, directing. It's been it's been uh, rumored over the last, say, 24 hours that he will definitely be directing The Suicide Squad 2. And I really hope that movie kicks ass. Really, I do. Because I think we take things too far. Almost, 
It's, it's almost where you're walking on eggshells every single day. Any misstep could be what somebody puts a, a microscope to and makes your life a living hell. And because I'm nobody, I'm just a clerk at a fucking Circle K, I might not have that much to lose. But there are people who are losing their voice, losing their ability to say what needs to be said because they are afraid of the reaction and how many people are going to be ready to to ostracize them from community, make a pariah out of them. And I don't think that is right. I don't think it's right to do that to people. If a person is, is sincerely apologetic, sincerely, and it's really not for us to say, oh, they're insincere. It's like this. Uh, if, if I've got an ice cream business and I'm just randomly going out and handing out ice cream cones to people, I'm not forced to hand an ice cream cone to somebody who made a disparaging remark to me. And I know that they, they said they were sorry, but I know that they're not. Me individually, I can decide for myself if that person was sorry or not. We don't need public scrutiny of somebody's apology. If somebody on a public platform apologizes, we know whether they're full of shit or not, especially if they continue to show us the same pattern of behavior. If they continue to, continue to show us the same pattern of behavior, they were never sorry. They were just sorry that they got caught. Whereas if you see a definite change, like in James Gunn, once upon a time, juvenile, sophomoric, provocative humor. And then you get two masterpieces in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. And, and you, you can't tell that this is a person who has grown from point A to point B. Was it necessary to, for this man to lose his job? It's only Disney can tell because they are, they aim all, a lot of their product at a very young market. So if Disney thought that some kid was going to dig up James Gunn's tweets from 10 years ago, then yes, Disney made the right move. But if Disney was just reacting to people's reactions, then Disney lost in this situation. Because we we know that they had plans for a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Part 3, that now they're on hi hiatus. In the meantime, Warner Brothers, they go up, they're pushing forward with their project because they got your director. <sighs> I tried not to go off. And I, I don't think it was bad, though, was it? I don't think I, like, went off the way I normally do. My blood pressure. It's the blood pressure thing, huh? But anyway, I've shared an awful lot. So I'm going to tell you one more time because I, I lost myself and did, I thought that was the end of the episode. It wasn't. Rate and review on iTunes. Subscribe to me on YouTube, and I will catch you on the flip. It's Iron Man 3. So that's just something to think about. Uh, Metacritic was 